head into the Ringerverse to stay up to date with all things superheroes and nerd culture entertainment. Hosted by a rotating lineup of superfans at the Ringer, including Mallory Rubin and Van Lathan, shows will provide instant reactions to blockbuster releases, insightful backstories on canon, and mind-bending theories, as well as fresh takes on the latest news and rumors. Check out the Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Cold open question of the week, Kaz. Yeah. Would you believe me if I told you that we had WWE Raw lead announcer Adnan Verk and famous comedian and host of Chop 420 Ron Funches on the same show? Yes, I would. <laughs> you should. You should because, because it's that's true. A lot of show. <laughs> Let's get started with the show right now. Let's just do it. What's going on, Jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. Gross Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lunt. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is your real WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening. You're listening to this. You're listening to. You are listening to. You're listening. You're listening. listening You're listening to the Masked Man Show. 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 Welcome to the Masked Man Show with Kaz. But before I let Kaz talk, I got to introduce our very special guest. Probably the, 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 well, we didn't know it, the hottest free agent in professional wrestling. Now hosting Monday Night Raw every week, your lead commentator, the newest name, face, voice of the WWE, Adnan Verk. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. David Kaz, great to be with you guys. So once we figured out I was coming on the pod, I, of course, had to listen last week and to make sure I, you guys didn't crush me. So I, it was hilarious, <laughs> David, to listen because, as you noted, you're like, I think we're going to have him on. Um, and I was worried, what if he sucks? And as Kaz, I think, said, well, if he sucks, you can just tell him, hey, come on the show. I thought you were terrible. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I was grateful you guys gave me a, a pass or a, you know, a, a, a decent review. So it's great to be with you guys. Honestly, I'm having a blast, man. This has been a lot of fun. And I, I like the fact, David, you mentioned we have a lot of mutual friends. I like the way you phrase that. You go, we have mutual friends. He's a high approval rating. So that's good news. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, Priscilla isn't bashing me behind my back. That's good news. <laughs> that's good to hear, man. And yeah. honestly, I don't know if you heard, we're the positive wrestling podcast. There's not oh, a whole yeah. lot of, you know, you'll, it, it gets very negative. I know you, you might be a little new, you know what yeah. I mean, to the way the wrestling media works, but this is this is a safe space. You're, you're safe here. Because as, <laughs> as we've always learned, whenever anyone wants to feel bad about themselves, just Google yourself. Just check out social media. <laughs> <laughs> That'll bring your confidence plummeting down quickly. So I, I'm, glad I'm, in, I'm glad I'm in safe hands with you guys. But it, it's been a wild ride. 
That is actually, that was my first question I had written down. When you did Rosillo's podcast, and this was for, you know, for anyone that didn't listen to it, it's been blogged out a million times, in, you know, over. But, you know, you were on there as a regular appearance on the Ryan Rosillo podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. But you started talking about how you got into WWE and, and how the job started and how it was going. And one of the things that you said was that you were surprised <laughs> yeah. that wrestling fans, by and large, hadn't heard of you. Right. Well, they've heard of you now. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and, I, and so I wonder, one, I mean... You must have been stunned a little bit. I mean, you've been aggregated a million times before in your life, but like, I'm aggregated. With, I mean, you must have been stunned to the degree that like everything you said led to a hundred different blog posts in wrestling media. And more specifically, how have your Twitter mentions changed over the past two weeks? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm still going to have to decipher when to turn my notifications off during the show because that might be a good thing. But it's a great point you make, David, about how everything gets parsed. So I do, you know, weekly radio hits. Back home, I'm Canadian, so I do it in Toronto and Calgary and Vancouver. So to your point, the Calgary guys, like we go on, we talk about everything. And they were asking about the audition process. And, you know, I'm an open book. I'll, I'll answer all the same questions you guys have for me. But I didn't, I didn't say anything I retracted. But to your point, I was amazed the next day people were saying, oh, I didn't realize you said this, you said this, you said this. I'm like, where, are, is everyone listening to Calgary radio? They're like, no, these blogs are all listening to this. I'm like, oh, so to your point, yeah, I did not realize but I appreciate the passion of the audience. I'm like, man, they are looking for every single nugget. So it's uh, it's a good lesson right out of the gate that uh, every word gets disseminated. Tell me about like the first couple of days, right? Because you know, obviously, you're coming in, uh, in 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 a pretty precarious position because you know, I, you know, Tom Phillips, great, you know what I mean? Had a had a very it was very respected. You know, a lot of people really dug him. So you know, it is uh, it is a little bit. Uh, not strange, but a little difficult to come in there. And I, I think you handled it pretty well. But uh, what were some of the first things you were you kind of told, you know, as you were getting into that hot seat of Monday Night Raw? Well, to your point, Kaz, it really is the hot seat. I mean, and and I echo your thoughts on Tom. He's awesome. And we exchange messages over email. And he's he's a total professional, obviously, still with the company. He's great. And uh, the big thing is, to your point, if you, if you don't know that world, like Raw After Mania is a huge show. Like this, you know, you're kicking off a new season, so to speak. So I think in most jobs, you go, all right, there's a learning curve. Let's let this guy get up to speed. But with this audience, it's like, no, like we're expecting you to sink or swim. So let's hit the ground running. So I think the key was, at least for me, you just have to try to manage expectations, right? So first show, you're like, all right, can I get the company email on my phone. All right, where's catering? Let me, <laughs> let me get makeup ready. Let me, let me memorize it's everyone's good, names. It's good catering. Oh, good the catering's catering, fantastic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'll never eat again. I'll just, I'll just eat here. It's intermittent fasting. I just eat when I'm there. Um, you know, let's just try to learn everyone's names, learn everyone's backstories. Like, get that stuff down. And then let's work on the formatics. And I think that, you know, everything is about trying to, I think preparation, as you guys know, for your podcast, any job in life is preparation. The more you dive in, the more immersed you are, the more you're going to learn. And you know, I think ultimately, yeah, Raw is a huge deal. It's a huge spot, but you're only going to get better by doing it. So if I had been training and doing other matches for a month, let's say, I mean, ultimately, you're still going to make mistakes. You still have to improve. So I think it's almost in some ways better just to get thrown in the deep end. Let's figure this out. And um, as long as you improve every week, that's that's the most important thing for me. Um, and like I said, I'm sure if I'm not doing well, <laughs> they'll let me know. Yeah, I mean, WWE has had a lot of, done a lot of their announcing you know, they've, they've kind of had their own little farm system for a while. They brought people up in house and that does give you reps, right? Uh, it's, it's, there's, there's not much, it would be, it would be sort of odd if they hired someone like you and had you do like the C show for, a, you know, six months, but that's, is how a lot of the world works, right? So like you are thrown into the fire and all this stuff. One of the things that's helped you clearly is sitting next to, uh, the two other people in the booth, Byron and, and Corey Graves, both just like consummate professionals. Corey Graves is, 
potentially one of the greats sitting, you know, in the, in the making, sitting there, sitting behind the microphone. Um, and you know, you thanked them on your first broadcast. They, I mean, it's not, it's not like I'm, I'm not like breaking the fourth wall to say that they have been helping you along as you've been going. How has that relationship been? And and what is, and what is the sort of back and forth been like on and off the air? Yeah. So they've been exceptional, David. And, um, you know, I was telling my friends about it and, you know, my WWE diehards who haven't missed a show in 30 years, they're like, to your point, they go, Graves is the best heel commentator since Jesse the Body. Like, he's tremendous. And from the world that I'm coming from, nine years at ESPN, MLB Network, to Zone, I'm like, I was telling my friends, I go, this guy's like Herb Street. He just comes in, he just nails it. He's so perceptive and smart. And it's different in, in conventional broadcasting. There's the play-by-play guy, and then there's the analyst. So the play-by-play guy calls the play, and the analyst discusses it. So the play-by-play guy does the what, the other person does the why. But what I've noticed here in WWE is those lines are blurred and that's totally fine. That that Graves should be calling certain moves and I should be, to use a TV term, laying out, meaning just receding from the action. You know, Dan Shulman once said, he's one of my favorite play-by-play guys, he goes, you know, the first inning I got, like I'm leading the game in, and then after that, you guys figure it out, and the ninth inning, I got to finish. So I'm, I'm opening, I'm closing. The rest of it, we, I want you guys in there as much as possible. And the best broadcasters we know, you can go back to Pat Summerall and John Madden. I mean, Madden's a star because Pat understood to minimize himself and let the stars be stars. So Graves has been great, and Byron's fantastic. You know, after the first show, Byron sat with me, went through some stuff, constructed criticism. Here's what you can do here. Here's an idea here. So those guys have been great. So I I completely agree with you. If you're going to get thrown into a potentially challenging situation, you are only going to be as good as your teammates. And Graves and Saxon are both, in my view, stars. Like, as I said, I've worked in three-man booths. I've worked in virtually every sport. I could immediately tell these guys were great. And to your point about chemistry, you know, normally when I called a baseball game, let's say, I hung out with Tim Kirchin and Eddie Perez and David Ross, Aaron Boone. We did a lot of studio shows together. Then we'd go call a game on the 4th of July. Here, I haven't had that chance to really hang with Corey and Byron. We're not on the road in, in you know, having meals together or car rides. So I think that the chemistry will develop. But I, I agree, though. I think out of the gate, you could tell all three of us were getting along. And they, in particular, were clearly looking to help me out as much as possible. Dave mentioned that WWE usually has sort of like this farm system of like bringing up commentators, right? But, you know, with you, obviously you've had, you know, you you said it, you've commentated on literally every sport that there is to be. You've been on every single network I could think of. And, you know, in, in some cases, it always seems like people go from WWE to like the mainstream, like baseball, basketball, whatever. You already did all that. And, and wrestling kind of brought you in. So I'm assuming you, you, you got to either be a lifer or like, so I just kind of want to know, like, what was your initial, you know, introduction into the world of pro wrestling? Sure. It's a great question, Cass. So, you know, Nick Khan is, of course, the president of WWE. He was my former agent at CAA. He's the kind of guy, if he says jump, you say how high. Like, he's the smartest guy in the room. He's someone I trust implicitly. He's been great for me and my family. So when he takes a job in August, I said, listen, anything ever comes up, you know, let me know. He said, sure. Never imagining that this is where we'd be. And Michael Cole, as you guys know, voice of SmackDown, part of the WWE Brain Trust. He's talked to my agent, Matt Olson, who's Nick's protege, obviously has my great interests at heart. And they're saying, listen, we just want to switch things up. We want a different voice, you know, someone from the sports casting world. And so when Matt mentioned me, Cole was like, all right, that's an intriguing name. Like, I know his work. Like, has he ever done anything like this? He's like, we did a little bit of boxing for DeZone. Okay, let's listen to that. And then he did the audition. And the audition was amazing because to your point, that's where you can tap into fandom. And I think that the biggest thing an audience wants, the WWE Universe is looking for, is authenticity. You can smell an imposter a mile away. And I think people will be more forgiving if they say, all right, Clearly, he's learning on the job here. He's made some missteps, but he is definitely passionate about the product and he clearly cares about it and respects what everyone's doing. So I did the audition, you know, called a few matches. Um, 
met a couple of people and, and, and I was as shocked as anybody once they said you got the job. But then I realized now the work begins. Like you guys know this. Now you have the job. Now you've got to learn as much, ask questions. But I go back to being a kid. I mean, it's somebody had asked me, what was it like when you're actually in the chair? And I said, you know, it's almost too overwhelming because you don't want to think about your journey in the moment, obviously. But if you go back, as I said, if I could tell a 12 year old me about this, I'd be screaming with glee. This is like the proudest thing I've done in my life in some ways, because um, it's just so unimaginable, the path that I've been. Everything else, right? Went to school for broadcasting, became a sportscaster, studied hard, worked hard, got very lucky to be at ESPN, MLB Network. But WWE, that's a different animal entirely. I don't ever remember writing down on like a, a wish list, hey, one day this is going to happen. But as a kid, huge fan, Demolition, my favorite tag team, obviously loved Hulk, loved uh, Ultimate Warrior. WrestleMania 6 was a huge one being Canadian, so I remember at Skydome watching that. Uh, me and my brother always practiced moves, you know, Tito Santana flying for him, you name it, all that kind of stuff. And then when I worked my job at the score in Toronto, we actually had our highest rated stuff. It was a national sports network. Renee comes from there, Renee Young, uh, Arda Ocal. So like, there's, there's other, other score people. Who, that's what Bill get laughing at, another score guy with WWE. But we used to have the wrestling product. And our highest rated shows were always Raw, SmackDown, and the bottom line, which is why at ESPN, I knew who Todd Grisham was. I knew who Jonathan Coachman was. I'm like, oh, of course, I know all you guys. So I think at ESPN, obviously, I was so busy with stuff and we've got four kids and I was all over the place. But I kind of moved away a little bit, but now that I'm back in, it's like, okay, like, you know, how important this is, you know, how passionate people are. And uh, it's like Philadelphia sports fans, man. They're, they're really passionate. They're going to let you know what they think, but I think they respect the fact if you come at it and work hard, that you're going to do your best and try to deliver. This episode is brought to you by eBay motors, passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, I'm going to get a little bit in the weeds here. Yeah. Um, you, So, I mean, you've called a lot of baseball, right? And in baseball, correct me if I'm wrong, this is just an outsider's perspective, but as as the analyst in baseball, there's actually a lot of, like, filling time, right? You're, yeah. you're trying to, like, maintain a narrative with a lot of, like, absence of motion. Now, if you go over to basketball or something, I mean, you're doing your best to keep up with it. And, and obviously doing radio, there's even more description going on. But if, but the, and then there's the studio show aspect where you're, like, telling a story, right? I mean, you're in a very, but usually in a very condensed space. Wrestling, there's a lot of, I mean, you need to be telling a story. And in some sense, you like, you'd be better off if you had the baseball, if you had the ability to fill time like you do in a baseball game, but you don't. It's all moving really, really quickly. How do you, how do you draw from the various kind of things that you've, that you've announced in the past to sort of create what, I mean, what you think of the, the, the appropriate wrestling voices for an announcer? It's a great point, David, because you're right. Even if like, people have been saying to me, you've been doing this for 20 years. And I said, yeah, but this is something completely different. Like this is a completely different skill set. To your point, baseball, there's so much time in between pitches and it's very conversational and relaxed. And then you have to hit the moment. Then it's fly ball deep to right. Aaron Judge has left the building. But there is, as you noted, a lot of storytelling, a lot of dead time. But in WWE, the action is fast and furious and you've got to be on your toes. So I would just say the intensity meter is ebbed up. 
The voice is definitely cranked up a little more. You're not going to be as you know laid back. It's definitely more intense. And I think the key is that there's the balance between the storytelling uh, and also rising to the occasion, meaning you don't call every punch. I learned this with a little bit of boxing. You don't call every punch, obviously. You're still talking about Canelo Alvarez this, Canelo Alvarez that. But then when the moment comes, you've got to rise to the occasion. And all of a sudden, here it comes. This could be it, et cetera. So, so much of play-by-play is about feel. And it's interesting. You make your living with words, but you kind of have to feel the match and say, okay, where is this going? Where is momentum headed? Ask the right questions. Let the analysts get in there. Let them drive the action. What are you seeing here? What's important there? What could be happening next? Forecasting is important. And then ultimately hit it hard. And what does it all mean? So I think it's like a three act structure, just like plays. You know, everyone knows what a big movie guy I am. It's like introduce the characters. Uh, call the action, put a bow on it. And I think no matter what you're doing, those are the, the tenets that you should follow. But to your point, it's obviously a different animal than baseball. It's a lot faster. It's a lot quicker. You've got to be on top of it. Now, and then on top of, you know, that you are, the difference between a lot of sports casting and I guess calling play-ball play for WWE is more often than not, you're going to, you're, you're part of the show, right? Like <laughs> you're not just, you're not just calling the action. Like sometimes, you know, uh, you know, someone's going to, uh, a competitor is going to sit next to you and talk about it. Sometimes you're going to say something that's going to piss off a superstar and they're going to be like, yo, I heard what you were saying about me. That yeah. Are you yeah. kind of prepared for that part of the gig? Because no matter how much baseball or boxing or basketball <laughs> you call, I don't think anything can prepare you for like, you know, MVP coming up in your face and trying to get you riled up. Yeah, it's a great point. Giancarlo Stanton does not come up to me after a game to tell me he did not like to say. But no, I, I think it's interesting that it's, you know, the atmosphere there has been so welcoming and it is like a family atmosphere. Like just in talking to some of the different WWE superstars, like everyone here has really been supportive. And I think to your point, they recognize what a challenge this is, what a learning curve this is. When you're coming from the outside, it's like, hey man, anything I can do to help you out, let me know. And I think what's really helpful you know, in conventional sports, you can talk to the athletes, you would talk to the managers, you would talk to the players, but they're a little bit guarded, right? Naturally, not that it's a, um, there's any animosity, but you're media and we're players and that's it. Whereas I think in this atmosphere, hey, you're part of the family here. We're all one team here. So if you have a question, you're not sure about something, you know, please ask and we'll do our best to help you. And similarly, I'm not going to be trying to, you know, denigrate somebody or criticize them, um, you know, unfairly or unnecessarily. So it's interesting. To your point, though, I thought you were going to go in a different direction just about being a part of the action. The amount of people were like, hey, seriously, when are you going to get a steel chair to the back? I'm like, I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't know if it's just wish fulfillment for people who hate me. or like, this is going to be great. I can't wait to see you get clobbered. But um, I, I would think just because I have so many other jobs, like I'm not sure MLB Network would take it if I show up limping. I'm like, oh, I understand what happened. I'm like, oh, God, long story, but Drew McIntyre drilled me. Like, what? Uh, so, uh, but I do, to your point, announcers are part of the action. You're, you're, you are part of it sometimes, but uh, I'll let Graves and Byron take the heat. And as you guys watch the first couple of shows, when Drew went into the table the first night, did not know that was coming. And you, if you watch the tape, you can see Corey and Byron bail. I just stupidly hung in there. Uh, the second night when Riddle came, I was smart enough to know, okay, I, I feel it coming. Get out of the way. So it's going to be definitely <laughs> A, a learning curve. I have no idea what that's like, obviously, from the announcer's chair, but I did get lucky enough to sit with Simmons, Bill Simmons, uh, right behind the announcer's table at a WrestleMania one year. And every time the wrestlers got outside the ring and started coming over, you could <laughs> feel it. You could feel oh, the electricity. Yeah. You were like, some, it's about to go down right in front of me. Um, if I had had to dodge anything, I'm sure I would have failed. Um, talking about old old announcers from, um, uh, you know, who've, who've been involved in the action, you know, the sports world that you come from is a big, watching tapes, a big part of it. Have you gotten around to like looking at any tape of Gordon Soley or Jim Ross or like listen to what the, <laughs> the great announcers that have come before you have done? 
Yeah, so the answer, so what I've been doing now is I think the important thing is this, it's very critical to be as up on the product currently, but I do, I have actually a little few hours planned this week. I do want to go back and listen to some of those calls because as you know, you never want to mimic the greats, but I think you can learn from what they're doing and say, okay, take a little bit of A, take a little bit of B, you know, twist it all together and you come up with your own recipe. And I think that is definitely invaluable because whether it's Vince McMahon, whether it's Michael Cole, whether it's JR, I mean, there's a, a rich lineage of people who have called this and done so at a high level. And I think if you want to try to somehow even get a, a modicum of that, you should appreciate where you've come from. So, you know, when Sean McDonough is doing Monday Night Football, I think he knows, okay, here's what the previous guy sounded like. Here's what Al Michaels did. Here's what Howard Cosell did, et cetera. So I think it's important, David, to recognize your predecessors, what other people have done, how you can differenti differentiate yourself and be different. Um, so I think that's important. I agree. Now, I know this is, you're, you're still very new, but who's impressed you the most, just as far as like from a performance wise, you know, when I, when I take a lot of my friends that aren't necessarily wrestling fans, but are into more mainstream sports, once yeah. they see it in, in, in living color, it hits completely different. Has there been somebody that you saw, you know, on that, on that booth that made you be like, oh, wow, this guy is just, or this girl is just yeah. incredible. Well, there's a bunch, Cass. I mean, when, when New Day first started their moves, I go, this is pretty wild, man. Like, if you see Trouble in Paradise in, in person or SOS, I'm like, just the agility of those moves. I'm like, that's pretty remarkable to see. And I just like their flavor just because they're so upbeat and fun and obviously the power of positivity. So it's it's a fun match to call because they're having fun. So you can lend that, that um, air of authenticity to it. Um, Drew's Claymore is pretty good. I tell you, I, when watching Orton's RKO is pretty cool in person. Like it, it's one of those, again, to your point, you got to see it in person. Like I watched it afterwards. Like I, I do the show and I watch it on tape and I said, man, in person, when he milked that moment and all of a sudden, boom, he brings it down. Pretty cool. Lashley's hurt lock is great. Again, just cause he's so big and so imposing in person and the women as well. I mean, Charlotte Flair, just the way she commands the screen. Again, it's kind of like how David was saying when, when the, when the you know, people come over and you can feel it, it was palpable when Charlotte Flair is out there just you know, calling out the world. So that's the biggest thing for people. Like I have a full appreciation of WWE and I'm completely clueless as to those who do not because I'm like, how could you not appreciate what you're saying? The athleticism, um, the hard work everyone puts in and just those moves. If you see it in person, man, it is as jaw-dropping as anything I've seen. And I've done, again, baseball, college football, college basketball, NFL. You watch that in person, you see Shane McMahon tossed off the top of his steel cage. That's intense. Um, you mentioned people who don't quite get it. How has the reaction been from outside the pro wrestling world? We know, we, we talked about how the pro wrestling world has, has, has sort of accepted you. Uh, what, what about uh, co-workers in other genres, you know, uh, or just people in general? Are they, are people been shocked that you went down this road? Yeah, people have been shocked, I think, David, but overwhelmingly positive. And to your point, I wasn't sure how that would go. You know, I said to my wife, again, like February 5th, I auditioned, late February, I got the job, had to work on stuff at MLB, obviously, you know, getting quarantined, had to get vaccinated. Obviously, I'm traveling every week. So, you know, I had about a month or so just to think about, you know, what are people going to say? And I had thought that some would say, to your point, this is amazing. I'm a huge fan of this product. Oh, my God, crush it. And some might say, really? Like, that's, that's what you're doing? But it whoever is feeling that or thinking that has not voiced that to me. Like I, if I, all, every text that I got when the barrage of April 12th was like, Oh my God, this is so cool. I'm so jealous. And that was from some people who I don't think are particularly avid WWE fans, but I think they recognize what a huge deal it is. 
and just walk in the office and we'll be networking and do some NHL network stuff. The amount of people are like, wow, either I loved it as a kid, I'm getting back in for you, or I watch it all the time. If you need anything, let me know. Or I don't watch it, but I know it's a huge deal. Like it's, it's been either one of those three. So it's actually been overwhelmingly positive. And I didn't know how people would react, but I think people really get, hey, dude, this is a huge deal, even if you're not watching. Now, are there any, uh, you know, I know when, when I first got over there, uh, I had my own sort of checklist, right? Like when you get there, you're like, you know, you want to you want to have a live moment. You want to have do a WrestleMania. You want to do a pay-per-view. Like, do you have any of those like sort of checklists as far as like moments that you're looking forward to once you took that gig? Well, it's a great point, Kaz. I said, you know, listen, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to work hard to improve. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to try to eliminate them and get better. But to your point, I said, hey, no matter what, like worst case scenario, my kids are going to be at WrestleMania next year. Like God God willing, we get through this thing. I'm like, how cool is that? And I said to my brother, I said, imagine we were kids, you know, watching this all the time, you know, summer slams and every week. And I go, now imagine if dad was actually calling it, like how ridiculous would that be? And that was the first thing to me. I said, you know what, whenever the fans come back, Cass, we can actually start traveling again. Hey, I just can't imagine what that's going to be like. Cause as you guys know, they're right on top of you. So I'm like, Okay, this is going to be an interesting experience. If they're yelling in my face, you stink, or whatever they're telling me, or just yelling at, obviously, the talent on the screen. But just the idea of, hey, it's a family atmosphere. I'm going to be able to have my family involved. That's something that I just, I can't wait for that experience. And, and hopefully, listen, the country's in better shape. These vaccinations keep pumping out. Hopefully, we can get back on the road. And I think that's when I'll be like, to your point, you can just say bucket list, man. Win or lose, we get to do this. And, and, and very few people in history have been able to do this. So I'm, I'm incredibly lucky. Uh, as far as I can imagine, it's, it is an experience like no other to be a, to be calling a match at ringside and having all those fans just like screaming all around you. And like you said, all that action going on in the ring, we have to let you go. Um, but we appreciate you doing this so much and, and, you know, you're welcome back on the show anytime. I'm, I'm sure we'll see you again in the future. Um, and listen, we're behind you hundred percent. I, I really, I, I think you're going to be at a really, uh-huh. I think this is going to be a, a, a cool new era of Monday night raw. So thank you for doing this and thank you for for joining our passion. Uh, thanks so much, David and Kaz. That's so nice of you guys both to say. It's, uh, it's one of those situations where I think you can recognize when people are genuine. I can tell you guys are sincerely behind me. I, you know, a friend of mine said to me, because you're like the sentimental kid. I go, in what respect? He goes, you're the guy who dreamed of doing this. And now people are like, I can't believe he gets to do this. So people want to see you succeed because it's like they are succeeding. So uh, congrats on, on all your guys' success. And listen, now do what you can. I've obviously been on Rosillo a bunch. See if I can get on the rewatchables because clearly Rosillo's not helpful. So, I, I, clearly, Fennessy and I would get along great because I, I, my eldest son's middle name is Scorsese. And when they did Taxi Driver, Fennessy said, and Simmons was blown away, but Sean said he's the most important director of the last 75 years. I'm like, all right. So, listen, whenever they do Raging Bull, if you can just put a word into Bill, go, hey, listen, can we get for, for 10 minutes? I think it'd be fun. We'll make it happen or we'll see what we can do. Thank you so much for doing this, man. We'll, uh, we'll, well, we'll hear you on Monday night. Um, so, uh, yeah, have, have, a, have a good weekend until then. Awesome. Thanks, David. Thanks, Cash. Be well, Thanks, guys. Adam. Take it easy, bro. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. And now we are joined by the second guest of the hour. Uh, oh, yeah. per- perhaps, I mean, pro- probably, uh, you know, an equally or even more so beloved guest in the wrestling community, um, the very famous comedian Ron Funches. How you doing, Ron? Doing very well. 
thank you so much for saying that. Who more beloved than who? We just had Adnan Verk on on the show uh, a couple minutes ago. Oh, I think and, I'm uh, more beloved than Adnan. <laughs> I mean, listen, listen, he's still getting there. We're, we're yeah, trying to work. Yeah, he's growing into it. We're he's trying to work in. him into Ron Funch's level of, yeah. of belovedness in this circle. He's at so. the, the uh, we'll see part. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he'll get there. We said the same about Michael Cole. We said the same about everybody. And we love Cole now, right? Exactly. <laughs> Said the same about The Rock. <laughs> I was just gonna say if the, I mean The Rock, if Beyonce was calling Monday Night Raw, she'd be getting a lot of shit on Twitter for it. All right, I mean it's like there's no way to make wrestling fans happy. No, not oh, at yeah. all. Oh yeah, we all we all shit on Bad Bunny. Yeah, yes, and he just and sold I out. Still do. <laughs> Listen, I thought he was great, man. I thought yeah, he was fantastic. One match, great, wonderful. <laughs> come in, come out, goddammit. But um, run, <laughs> I, absolutely, man. You know, uh, this week, brand new show, Chopped 420. So on Discovery ID. Uh, I binged all the episodes uh, two days ago when I was uh, partaking in the holiday, and it was a great show. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about that, man. Like, t- tell me, I know we talked about it on my podcast, but I wanted to make sure you came on here, like, plug the show, and then we could really get into some fun wrestling stuff. I like it. I love it. Get the business out of the way. Yeah, get the um, business out. <laughs> it's the best job I ever had. According to my wife, it's the best work I've done on a show. Uh, so I, those things are great. I've been in some fun things. I'm going to be in more fun things. But this is just what I'm supposed to do right now is chopped appetizer entree dessert. One of the most classic reality cooking shows ever. It's a fun competition and they've added weed and me, which is just cracking jokes, breaking the tension, which from watching it myself, which is something I never do. I thought maybe I'd watch a clip and hate it or watch one episode and like it a little bit. But now I'm four episodes deep myself and I'm just like, oh, I and which is helpful for me because it's kind of like watching game tape. And I'm like, oh, I get what I'm doing now. I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) You got to watch the game tape, Ron. You got to. As as, as cringy as it tends to be, uh, you know, I know you got tons to watch. You have to. And, And just seeing like, oh, it's so great because you got these like, real chefs running around all over the kitchen and the tension and they are worried about losing that money and then it's me just kind of cracking jokes to break the tension every now and again <laughs> and it's it's really fun and I, I really like it and so I'm, I'm glad you watched it thank you Cass of course of course in the modern day we compare reality TV a lot and in competition TV a lot to pro wrestling do you feel mm-hmm. like you're in the midst of some weird mm-hmm. cooking kayfabe back there when you're doing yes. the show that's the, one of the best lessons I learned. That was the thing that wrestling, I think wrestling in a way has taught me to understand this job quickly. Like it, when I first got there, I was like, okay, you can even kind of see it. Like, cause all the episodes are shot in order. I get there the first day in some ways I kind of, you know, I can relate a little bit to Adnan. Cause I was like, I have some skills in this area, but I've never hosted a cooking reality show. I've hosted mm. like a, a, comedy game show it was basically a sketch show you know it's kind of two different worlds and something that's actually live and going at the same time and then i just learned the more producer side of like when to talk to these people how to talk to them how to pull stories out of them a little bit how to notice something about them and that might get them to open up a little bit because a lot of times you know they're cooking getting into that money they don't want to talk to you so you gotta kind of break the ice with them and kind of like 
you got to work them a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't work yourself into a shoe. That's the first first rule of the game in, in, in wrestling and in real life, goddammit. Um, let's talk some wrestling. Let's talk some wrestling. Absolutely. Let's get it. Dave, what we got, man? Let's, let's get well, it Well, right I mean, listen, it. we recorded the last episode of the show was a week ago today, right? We recorded Thursday. Yes. We, hung, we we got off as, as, uh, as John was producing the show. Uh, WWE started releasing people. Yes. And we were like, well, should we come back and do an, uh, do, do an emergency episode? And I was like, no, nah, we got to wait and see how this pans out. Actually, nothing much happened. I mean, I, the my, the biggest surprise for me was not, I mean, it's, listen, it's a heartbreaking day. And, now, and the fact that it's like an annual day now in WWE makes it even worse, right? It makes it feel so much more brutal. I think the big surprise was Samoa Joe. And and the reason why one of the reasons why we didn't do a show was because I said there was another shoe that was going to drop on that that, that it was going to f- come out that he asked for his release or something because and we just talked to former Nick Khan client uh, Adnan Verk on the show Samoa Joe's a former Nick Khan client the first time I ever talked to Samoa Joe oh wow he was sitting at a table with Nick Khan and I I made the mistake this is what I mean this is neither here nor there but I I want it was it was right after his uh, big NXT takeover match where he went outside the ring and like was covered in blood in front of the Shane McMahon's kids and all it was a great moment and I went up to congratulate him but made the mistake of approaching him from behind and putting my hand on his shoulder before he could see me approach <laughs> and I thought for a minute that I was going to die but that's yeah. kind of neither here nor there uh Samoa Joe's uh, been released by WWE there's a long list uh 10 superstars were released um what, what, what was your reaction or what's always your reaction Ron when you hear about this stuff happening I mean is it is it is it just a sad day is there is there you know what are you feeling I mean, I just who who could love it? It's not fun. It's, it's like to me, it's a it's bad on both ends, and it's bad on so many ends. There's so many perspectives where it's bad. There's a couple where it's good. It's like if oh, if you're not using them and they're not uh, valued of you, well then great, release them. That's great, so they can go do other things. Uh, but most of it is like you're taking away people who I like and I don't. And so now your show is less watchable to me. And so I don't understand how that's a plus. And then just the timing of some things. And I think like a lot of people were talking about, uh, and I love him. I love Pat McAfee. I think he's a great, uh, entertainer. I think he's great. But, uh, um, then like sign him as showing like, Hey, we're doing something fun. That doesn't really show that to me. It shows me like, oh, we're just moving money around. So mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. took this money from them so we could go give it to this famous guy. And like that to me, is just more negative. And I don't, yeah. I don't enjoy that at all. And I love the Iconics. I love uh, Samoa Joe, of course, and fellow King Shark, how we got to stick together unless you're Stallone. And then it's fuck you, let me have that job. <laughs> uh, but- <laughs> <laughs> One thing you mentioned was now it seems like it's like an annual thing, right? Like this time last year, a lot of people got let go. And at the time, definitely within the pandemic, it it felt and still feels very, very terrible. But, you know, the good thing is like it's not and I'm not trying to make light of, you know, people losing their livelihoods and having to either move or change or lose money and all that type of stuff. But we have seen that there has been success for a lot of these folks who weren't necessarily going to have that success that they wanted in WWE, right? You see the Good Brothers doing some good stuff and hopping around territories. You see EC3 doing some stuff, hopping around territories. You see Leo Rush on MTV and putting out music and MLW. Like, there's life after WWE, especially if, you know, that you aren't, you know, getting... Well, I think you can, you know, get out of it, especially people like the Iconics, who I'm I'm a 
you know, we've talked about this many times on the show. I'm the biggest Billy Kay fan, and I thought she was just money on the mic. And just it's hard to be naturally funny in pro wrestling, and she's truly naturally funny. Um, but Samoa Joe was the one thing that really, really shocked me. And obviously, you know, he's somebody who was being used and being used well. Um, so hopefully, you know, I ran into him on WrestleMania, the day of WrestleMania, actually. I think that's Sunday. And I kind of got a feeling that some shoe was about to drop. Like, I, I gave him a big hug. I dapped him up. And I was like, yo, like, was, was you know, how, how you feeling? Like, how you holding up? And he was like, you know, I'm working on some things. We got some things coming down the pipe or whatever. And then literally a week later, he, he's, you know, they, they, they released him. So, I mean, if I could put two and two together kind of hinted to me that, yes, he was trying to get back into the ring. Like, he wants to, you know, as much as doing play-by-play and great voiceover work and all that stuff is is great and all, like, pro wrestlers are pro wrestlers at the end of the day, man. Like, you see Edge, you see Christian, you see all these guys. Even if you're gone for 10, 8, 5, however many years, they still want to wrestle. So Ricky um, Morton's still out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, look, at there's so many people out there. And now I think what makes this less of a of a tragic thing is you know wrestling the wrestling business itself is in a very healthy space right there's plenty of places to really go you got AEW you got TNA you got New Japan Ring of Honor wherever you go but on top of that Joe's had a, a year of chops of running raw as being a voice he's already done some great voiceover work while being a wrestler i mean you know even if he never wants to wrestle again i think he's going to be very well off um so i mean i'm i'm it, it's sad. It sucks personally because as a fan, I like seeing those guys in WWE and hoping they could like do cool WWE stuff like become a world champion or have these great singles runs or whatever. But, you know, for those specific talents, I'm I'm happy that, uh, you know, they're, they're going to start, you know, doing things on their own terms and seeing what comes of it. Yeah, just two quick things on this. One, Samoa Joe was a shock, not just because Samoa Joe's a god, but because Samoa Joe was working WrestleMania, right? I mean, he was like, yeah. they had him, they had his his face filling up the whole screen doing, you know, like doing commentary on WrestleMania. And then like two days later, he's got, it's just weird that you would even give that screen time to somebody who you were going to cut, right? I mean, mm. they, they're already messing around with the announce booth. And the Iconics, the fact that they split them up didn't give either of them real opportunity, except to the extent that, that, that Billy Kay just like stole the show and the little bits that she got and they cut him. That's sad. The biggest shock to me, weirdly, after Samoa Joe was Chelsea Green because it's like she was called up on a technic, called up kind of by accident and then fired on a technicality, right? I mean, it was yeah. like we didn't, like no one was ready for you. And so we're not, and so you can't, we're not, we didn't have anything for you. And well, now we're well, just going to let you go. I mean, the whole thing was so strange. Well, she had some injury things, right? Was she hurt? There's a lot of injuries that are on this list. And I guess if that's, if you want that to be the organizing principle of some of these people, I mean, of, of, of people who are getting released, okay. I mean, that's a fine decision, I guess, for WWE to make. I think the most interesting thing to me looking at the list is that literally every single person, down to Bo Dallas and Tucker and Mojo Riley, Wesley Blake, everybody, all, everybody that got released, you wouldn't be shocked to see them wind up in AEW or somewhere else in the next, in the next little bit, especially when you look at Samoa Joe. And the women they released when, as AEW is building up their women's division right now, really getting somewhere. It's like you don't have to believe Triple H when he says there was no such thing as the uh, Wednesday Night Wars or whatever. But like the fact that they would even release these people when they were signing the contracts to specifically keep them away from AEW a year ago, that's kind of an interesting move. 
I agree with you 100%. I think that's absolutely true. Uh, And I just, to me, I don't understand a couple of things. I don't understand that if you're still in the show as someone like Billy Kay was on time, how do you get released? That doesn't make sense to me. How do you not have space for someone? That's like such a morale buster to be like, well, I could be killing it. And then they're like, ah, well, now next. And that that's not me. And then you just dump Mickey James to the side. Like she's not one of the, while you're celebrating, while you're putting, uh, you know, Bianca and Sasha in the top as the, you know, thing, you're also throwing one of the pioneers out the back door. That's a little just odd to me. And then last of all, House Jackson Riker, the last forgotten son <laughs> left standing. <laughs> that is a true fact. I have no problem saying that Jackson Riker stinks and, you know, I wouldn't be bad if he didn't have a gig at all. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't no miss ill will towards no man, but I hope he gets fired. seriously like i mean you know whatever i mean feel how you want to feel whatever it's a free country but my goodness like i if i was if i was taking straw polls i did not think he was going to be the last guy standing out of that three that's just that's just my guess over there uh but but ron i want to ask you man i mean you know you watch a lot of AEW, um you know and let's take inventory man this time Mm -hmm. last year a lot of guys got let go and, you know, they found their way over there, whether it's Rusev. I mean, we see Christian Cage last night. Um, you know, I think uh, Matt Cardona slash Zack Ryder had a cup of coffee in AEW, a couple of guys. Is there anybody out there that you'd like to see um, kind of make that jump? If you're, say, say you're the guy with the book or the guy with the, the pocketbook or the, the money, whatever, mm-hmm. to get these guys over. Who, who is somebody you'd like to see over there? At a WWE or just yeah, anywhere? Yeah. Okay, I'll have WWE. Um, I w- out of this list of people who were released, I assume, and is what we, uh, I would go with the like David saying, I would go with the women, the iconics. I would go with Mickey James, and I would go with Samoa Joe. And uh, I think those would be the ones that uh, Chelsea Green seems like a, a very easy fit over. She seems there. like a lock, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, those would be my things. You need to bolster that women's division, and it'd be fun. I think someone like Billy Kay could. Um, not necessarily, you know, match uh, Breaker in the ring, but she could match her in entertainment-wise. And I don't yeah. think there's any woman in AEW that matches Britt Breaker entertainment-wise. And they need a foil like that for her because she's getting ready to just about to run rough shop. But there's, you know, as anything with wrestling, we all know you're only as big as your opponent and your rival. And so she, I think she needs someone else that could talk that talk with her. And uh, I think, <laughs> surprisingly enough, Billy Kay could be that person. The low key, another name that I'm 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 seeing floating around that I love to see in AEW is Thea Trinidad slash Zelina mm-hmm. Vega. You of know course. what I mean? Like that women's division, uh, especially after that incredible main event a few weeks ago, that was my only hang up with AEW. Right? Like my only hang up was like at first, you know, their mid card was kind of trash. Then they they bolstered that up, got the TNT title, started working out. Then it was like, well, there's not a whole lot of diversity over there. And it was like, okay, we're bringing you know Jay Cargill and you know Private Party and you know Scorpio Sky and all these guys. I'm like, okay, they they address that. Now it's that women's division, and they're very top heavy with the women's division, in my opinion. I like I like Big Swole, love Big Swole actually, mm-hmm. love Jay Cargill, love Britt Baker. But now you got this this glutton of extremely talented women just. For hire, you know, for for a company that could desperately need it. Yeah. My thing is, you only got two hours of 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 uh, of of cable TV every week. 
if you sign these people, like, are you going to find the time to like really dedicate to really bolster that division? I think that's the absolute question. That's a question because I think you see that a lot with AEW is a little bit of start and stop, start and stop of like a lot of programs like that. I was really excited about what was looking going to be like a, a Pentagon Junior Cody Rhodes program that didn't really happen. And um, a lot of my faith <laughs> to me, speaking of Scorpio's guy, I, I don't know if I'm the only one who caught this. I won't say that because that sounds very egotistical or but maybe I just made this up up in my head, but I thought it was the most WWE meta thing that they were like Scorpio Sky wins the brass ring, loses his TNT title match, and then it's like well, he's now you can go catch him on the second YouTube show. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yo, honestly, that's my thing. I mean, I, I really do like what AEW does, right? Like, I feel like you know, when it comes to the people that they really want to tell stories, like the elite and those guys, like they will commit to using four to five months to tell a story with the elite or with the inner circle or with MJF. They will commit to those guys. But for for some reason, whether it's the women or whether it's, you know, like you said, like the face of the, the, the I don't know, the brass ring, or whatever they called it, like the face of the future match or whatever. He loses it. And now I haven't seen this dude in like a month. you know like he has a banger with darby allen he has a nice little character change i don't know if he's healthy or not i don't know if he's hurt but it's like my my thing is like yo for as much flack as wwe gets and i don't want to make this a whoa they could do it here they could do it there type of thing for as much much flack as wwe gets for not committing to storylines and being kind of have big storylines AEW has done that quite as much as well too i mean granted it's not as they don't have as much tv time as wwe gets Mm -hmm. but it's like come on like commit to something commit to somebody build some new dudes that weren't on being the elite no i agree (laughs) with you there um i can't deny that recently for sure i've started to see that more and more just because you know i the people who i like the people who i i mean and again i guess that's all opinion, right? Like, I'm like, hey, why aren't you building Ray Phoenix as the next Ray Mysterio Jr.? Why aren't you building Pentagon up as a single? Why aren't you building up Scorpio as a single? But instead, I got to watch QT Marshall Sopranos <laughs> cosplay. Okay. I got to watch him fight Billy Gunn. All right, WWE nepotism oh shit. <laughs> Listen, I, I love think... you, AEW, but I see it when I see it. Yeah, you got to call a spade a spade, man. I think that the real spade. lesson coming out of all this is that there's room for another major promotion. So if there's any billionaires watching this show, I mean, I swear, give me the Iconics and Samoa Joe and uh, Andrade and Leo Rush and like an old, old man CM Punk, and I, I will give you a promotion <laughs> Like, what else do you need? There's so much talent out there right now. Well, Dave, MLW just announced a deal with Vice TV. I don't know if you heard. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they're and MLW, man, like lowest of keys. Very, very, very lowest of keys. (laughs) At the end of the keyboard. (laughs) 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 At the absolute lowest of keys. I've been fucking with MLW for a minute, man. They really put the the rocket on Leo Rush um, as, as the middleweight champ of the world. World, uh, but I love what Court's been doing and of that vice deal. I mean, especially if they could, I don't know how they're setting it up. I'm probably getting too inside baseball for this, but if they could somehow work in dark side of the ring into MLW and have it some sort of like partnership together, that is a strong, strong 
you know, play for the third most popular, you know, uh, wrestling division in North America because, you know, I dig Impact, but, you know, I, 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 I'll wait. I'll reserve my judgment for this Rich Swan Kenny Omega match and see what they do with that. Yeah. But, you know, and, and see what they do with Moose. I think, you know, I've heard, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, little birdies are telling me about Moose possibly, probably, maybe getting that call from one of the big companies. So, I mean, you know, MLW is right for the taking to, to be that third in, in command if they could really make this Vice deal happen. All right. Well, I mean, listen, I'll, I'll be watching. We got to, you know, as wrestling fans, you got to, you got to watch all the shows, man. I mean, like support. I mean, there's almost too much to watch, but you got to, you got to be, you got to support this wrestling good on, on networks like Vox. It's good problems. It's good problems. <laughs> so, and I, and I like, and I do like what MLW does a lot of the time. It's fun to watch. I mean, it's a, you know, court books it. There's a lot of old school in it, you know, it makes it, it makes it sort of, it's a it's a it's a breath of fresh air in a lot of ways. If they do it right, Vice is the right network to to really bring that sort of ECW energy back. Mm-hmm. Like they, I, I, they, that's that's what I was just about to say, Kaz. Mm-hmm. And I had the craziest of ideas. I don't know if you're familiar with uh you familiar with GCW at yes. all. Yeah. Yes, yes, See, yes. That's what I would do if I was with MLW. I would put a, I would reach out for a partnership with GCW because the MLW's got that like that hard hitting old school style, but we kind of seen that a bit with the NWA. We see that a bit with Impact even, but I think if you mix some of that with some of that GCW putting people through doors on mm. Vice, <laughs> that's the that's what motherfuckers like on Vice. They like yes. doing heroin and putting people through doors. <laughs> So I was seeing Nick Gage, see, I mean, I, any promote, right? I've been singing the same thing that low key, there is a glut of great talent on the independence that is underutilized that could be seen right now. Most of it, surprisingly or unsurprisingly, black. Like, but if if I I pitched this before, I have Ian Riccoboni on the, on my. Uh, Twitch show, which I should also promote. Twitch.tv, Ron underscore Funches. We do get high watch wrestling. But I was like, hey, if I were you, I would build a stable around Jonathan Gresham and have it be Calvin Tankman, Lee Moriarty, Trisha Dora, and just black excellence. Mm. And I was like, that's what I would do if I was y'all. And they don't, they didn't do it, but... (laughs) Hey, they, they, they could take the idea. I'm sure they're listening to this podcast. I'm sure they're going to listen to it now once they see the description and when they get the Google alert that you're talking about them. <laughs> like, yeah. The idea is for free. MLW slash GCW. Have it. Courtesy of Ron Funches, goddammit. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I mean, listen, we're obligated to talk a little bit about what's going on on any of these wrestling television shows. Uh, Ron, let me ask you. What was your favorite thing that happened in pro wrestling? And starting last Friday on SmackDown, what was your favorite thing that happened in pro wrestling this week? And follow up, why was it uh, Mace and T-Bar taking their masks off? <laughs> <laughs> it is good to see. It's just getting free. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just let them loose. And then it was also like, wow, Mace has like, Mace has got a model face. I did not realize. Yo. 
pretty man, you know? I was like, okay, oh, you got the pretty hair. man. It's like, Looking bro, like you a young it. Eric Benet. I'm like, all right, yeah. I see. <laughs> Get out of here. Go hit that runway. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how good looking he was ever since like Brock Lesnar like sent him to the 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 gulag or whatever. Right? <laughs> yeah. I also like what I love about Mace is that he's the only dude in wrestling whose name got realer. After he like it was like Dio Madden was super fake. And then now it's like Mace. I know a couple people named Mace. That could be real. <laughs> oh my God. Yo, but shout out, you know what? I'm all for the retribution rebrand, bro. Like, I mean, between between Mace. Between uh, well, gosh, I don't want to call him his old name, not T Bar. Uh, the Dijak, Dijak Kovic or whatever. Like, I honestly think this is a good. This is a good. This is a good deal. This is a good business for for those guys, man. They're working with Drew. They're working with Braun. They got MVP, like maybe low key, high key, like bankrolling them to like beat up Drew McIntyre, keep the, the title on Bobby or whatever. I just think, man, we've really just scratched the surface with Dominic Dajakovic, bro. There was a minute where he was the hottest dude on the Indies next to Keith Lee. Now, we still haven't even seen Keith Lee in about, like, two months or three months. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of good things coming over there, man. I, I'm so glad he got rid of those fucking masks, though. Jesus Christ. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. There's some bad Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle 90s, like, villains masks. Yeah, I fucked up the idea of retribution. I'm not gonna lie. Like the yeah. first, the first couple of weeks, I was sitting here talking big shit. I'm like, yo, I'm telling you, man, you guys let this thing go the way it's supposed to go. It's gonna be dope. But then, like a month later, I was like, why did I say that? Nah, I think that <laughs> I think it because you can't do that on TV. I was like, oh, that's Antifa, and then they were like, <laughs> okay, well now, it, now we got to take off the ski mask and just put them in a Casey Jones mask and things of that yeah. nature. And then it's like, okay, well now it's like they fell into the ooze and I'm not it, I, it's just weird <laughs> the wild shit was when they had to put out put out the fucking uh put out the uh the disclaimer on dot com and be like listen uh, w w there's some craziness happening backstage, and we don't know, and they're extremists, and yada yada. Like the first time they really put out like that, that this group coming, <laughs> I, I was like. They're not gonna do. It. Remember, we had a whole we had a whole discussion about it on the show. Like they're not yeah. gonna do what I think they're gonna do. Right? This is right in the midst of like big protest and social change and like you know things not being so so cool in this country. A couple of uh, you know like ten or eleven months ago, and then uh, you know now they're just sort of like these cartoon characters that were like, oh, we finally got these guys mask off. <laughs> it's like wow, they they you know I thought it was I. I really thought they had an opportunity to be something like really, really cool as a group. But, you know, I think I think Di I don't know too much about May slash Dio, but I think Dijak is scratching the surface, man. I think he could uh, really turn into a guy. Well, Dijak and Mace or Dio, whoever you want to call him, took their masks off. Their other, the, two of the other members of Retribution, Slapjack, Shane Thorne and Mia Yim, <laughs> who his name was Re Reckoning, uh, are, have been moved to SmackDown, apparently. So, like, they'll be fine there and that's great. I think the thing that excites me most is that they just are going to ship them off to SmackDown and not wait for some superstar shakeup and let them sit at home until that happens. Like some because of these, like, they retribution. They just walked over to SmackDown. <laughs> they did what they want. Can we talk about Keith Lee for a minute? I don't know what's going on at all, but it feels like we know so much about what happens backstage now. Like we know so much, and even if we know something that's a lie or something that's not true, we we feel like we know what's everything that happens backstage. 
And so when something happens, like what's going on with Keith Lee, which is like all we vaguely know is that he's trying to get back in the ring and he disappeared sort of mysteriously in the build to WrestleMania. And was it COVID or was it a concussion thing or was it an injury? Was it something totally different? Um, it feels like I feel like this is creating more anxiety in wrestling fans than I mean, certainly than we were kids and we were worried about like Hulk Hogan getting like avalanched on his chest or whatever. Like it like why 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 is his absence giving me more anxiety than than excitement at this point? Uh for me, because it wasn't necessarily a write-off, right? Like usually when something's something's off with someone, they'll get like some big, you know, get thrown through a table, hit by a car, like hung or some shit, and like they go away for like two or three months. But like Keith Lee just sort of just vanished out of nowhere. And that always gives me pause, especially, you know, uh, I think he had some COVID issues to, to, to deal with as well. You know what I mean? I don't know what's link. I don't know. Maybe if it's lingering with that. I, I, I don't know. I'm just reading a lot of scary things about even NBA players, NFL players still having like these issues like long afterwards, like Jason Tatum for the Boston Celtics, like 20, what is he, 23 years old? Is it said that he has to use an inhaler now before every game? He's 23 years old, all-star, like fully like at the beacon of health. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the type of stuff that really, really like worries me and scares me. And I, and I hope it's not that. And I hope he's okay because Keith Lee is, you know, he's, one of my favorite wrestlers walking God's green earth. But I, I just hope that, uh, I hope it's nothing like that. And, you know, I really hope we get to see him soon because not having him on that build to WrestleMania, especially after the year he had, having a great show in that Royal Rumble, being the champ champ at NXT. Like, when you talk about people who, you know, we talked about this last week. Um, this past WrestleMania felt like the thank you to everybody who kind of held them down in the pandemic, right? Like Bobby got his look, Drew got his look, you know, everybody who, you know, Sasha Banks main evented all this type of stuff. And uh, underrated person who really held it down was Keith Lee, especially when he came to NXT, right? So like him not being a part of that kind of felt a little, you know, felt like it sucked, you know? And, um, I don't want to speculate. I just really hope he's all right. That's, that's all. That's all I want to keep it there. That's I thought I just I'll did 10 minutes of speculating. You did a lot of speculating, <laughs> for real. You did and then, then said you don't want to. Uh, but I just want to say the same thing. I just wish Keith Lee well. I hope he's back soon. I don't know anything about it, but I do know that Keith Lee versus Donovan Dijak at PWG is one of the best matches I've ever seen live and one of the matches that got my friend into wrestling and the best match he's ever seen. So I just wish that man well because I want to see that match again. The rest of the wrestling this week was a lot. I mean, there's still a lot of uh, WrestleMania fallout on the WWE show. Cesaro got a big look on on SmackDown. Uh, Charlotte Flair obviously made her comeback and got suspended on Monday Night Raw. AEW, I mean, we didn't have any like earth shattering stuff, but we had two like really good title matches: uh, Tay Conti versus Sheeta and, and Darby Allen versus Jungle Boy that could carry a week's discussion any other week. Ron, what was your? What, was, did you have a favorite match this week? I like that Ty Conti versus Sheeta match. I thought it was so hard hitting, such a fun match. And then I love that it's lead. I love the story. I like that the storyline. I like watching of this Brit Breaker climbing of the rank storyline, and it's all being through these other like hard hitting women's matches that we're watching. And I feel like that's a fun story to watch. That's a simple story. And I liked seeing her progress that she's made. And I just a big fan of her recently. And she was so beautiful. How could you hate? Yeah. What, what, what about you, Kaz? Is there anything else that we need to talk about? Any, any big in ring stuff or out of the ring stuff that you, that, that you were focused on this week? Oh man. Uh, 
Nah, I mean, you know, um, we I think that we can catch up on it next week, but, you know, I still kind of want to see where we're going with the Tribal Chief and Cesaro on SmackDown. I want to see where that's, where that's heading. I feel, I feel like they're finally, finally going to see what he can do, even, you know, as a, as a main event guy. Um, and I like that they're playing into, like, the whole, you know, Paul Heyman kind of, like, turning his nose up, like, dude, this guy just cracked two Hall of Famers uh, on WrestleMania. You think I'm going to waste my time with fucking Cesaro? Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I kind of like where that's going, but we'll see, man. We'll see. I feel like that, that'll that that'll take up another hour and change uh, for next week. I'm also excited for Riddle and Randy Orton. I yes, think that's- there we go. Oh, I totally forgot about this. Yes, Randy Orton, appara- apparently Randy Orton got injured in that match. You could kind of no. see it happen. Yeah, no. go back, that go back and watch. going to get fucked. No. <laughs> oh, Randy, Randy Orton working these rookies. It's like, it, yeah, I mean, it's like he gets a new skateboard and just has to do with 360 and like, you know, just like kill, hurts himself every time. It's crazy. But he, but he apparently, I mean, you can go back and watch the match. He like kind of like the second half of the match, he's only like doing forearms with his left arm and headlocks with his left arm and like still oh, trying man. to work through it and everything. So I hope, I mean, I hope everything's okay. I hope that, like it. It's um, but you're right. Riddle versus Randy Orton, yo, banger of a match too. By the way, yeah, great match. Because yeah, I was hating the setup. Because I was like this. Because I was like, you know, I just my old school mind wrestling brain of like, I know how it's supposed to play out. Of like, you're not supposed to just completely dismiss Matt Riddle. You know, you, well, if you beat him, who cares now? And if he beats, you know, that that that. But then when the match was going, I was like, oh, I like this. I could see this a couple of times because this could be that veteran that like wakes Matt up, gets him a little bit more fierce. And but I just wish they talk about that more. I mean, that's the thing when they when they're like, who is was this guy about? And you're like, man, this guy could knock out and take down and stretch most of your roster. Yeah. You should maybe talk about that a little bit more. Facts, facts. I mean, you know what? I think in a weird way, I thought they were kind of going into like the, oh, you got my respect. Let's be a tag team sort of route, like the RK bro sort of thing. Like, that would have been awesome. I think it's funny. I think, you know, I think Riddle has got a lot more entertainment chops than people like to give him credit for. I think he's a little bit more than just the funny stoner jokes, especially with Randy Orton being, you know, who he is on Twitter and kind of yeah. cutting loose a little bit more. Oh, like, and I think, we know Randy talk too, so we could just sure. do bits where Randy's high <laughs> as hell. That would be the great. And then you throw MSK in there. <laughs> <laughs> now that is a program. Let, let Ron book the territory, <laughs> goddamn it! <Yeah. laughs> I think we got. I think we got it set. I'm, I'm all in on this federation. So billionaires, if you want to give me a call or give whatever, give just give Ron a call. Ron, let, let Ron be in charge of uh, of this new, uh, very relaxed professional wrestling federation. Um, we have to go. Actually, that feels like you haven't been on long enough. So, Ron, open invitation. Come back anytime. I take full responsibility for you not being here before. But let's do this again. Let's do this again real soon. I would love to. I love listening to the show. I like the you know, repartee rep- between the two of you. And so, thank you for having me, people. Please just check out Chop Four Twenty on the Discovery Plus app. All five episodes are out now. You can get a seven day free trial. So, it really, what do you got to lose? RonFunches.com for all my tour dates. Other than that, I love you. That's it. Ron, you're the greatest, man. 
Thank you so much. Kaz, you want to get your plugs in before we hang up? Absolutely. Check out Say Less with Kaz, Low Key, and Rosie every Monday on all streaming platforms at youtube.com slash Kazim. Ron was a guest on the show this week. It was fantastic. Go check that episode out. We also, uh, you can also catch me on MSG PM after every Knicks home game on MSG Network. We've won eight games in a row. I'm not, not saying they were, the two are related, but let's Congratulations. Let's Thank you, bro. Appreciate that. I just like you now because I call you, you have the Chicago Bulls coach and Derrick Rose. So that's called, I was like, they're just the bulls of the past <laughs> to me. So I can like them too. We're just retro bulls. It's all, yeah. it's all, it's hard to root against them. It's hard to root against them. All right. Well, thank you as always, Ron. Especially, especially special thanks to you. Um, thank you guys for listening. Oh, also thanks to our, uh, sorry, I've, I've got a new reading card here. Um, wait, John, what am I supposed to call you? Our baby face production assistant? <laughs> We've got we got we got new rules. We have to use official titles and our fake titles. Yes. Uh, our, our babyface PA John Kermit, thank you for doing this. As pol- apologies as always to John Moxley. Uh, we didn't even talk about that big return this week, but that was awesome driving the truck. Anyway, we'll see you back here next week, humanoids. Tony Schiavone here on the Mass Man Show. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Mass Man Show. 